one of the best things I've learned as both a you know startup founder when it's just you by yourself or once you start growing teams and you're managing people, the power of being intentional with your decision-making as a leader, whether you're the leader of one or the leader of 100, is incredibly important. Mm. When you make intentional decisions, even if you're just holding that intentionality to yourself, you're doing the right amount of due diligence and homework. Um, you're exploring the why you're making that decision. You're weighing out, if I have these multiple options, what are the pros and cons of each of these options? Uh, and then when you you know go and make that decision or you're helping your team understand why that decision was made or helping your customers understand why that decision was made, they're able to see that intentionality behind it because the, the way you're able to express it. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Aaron Wykey. And uh, Aaron, uh, in his own words, didn't like school, dropped out of college after two years and went into sales for a number of years. Um, so he uh, did. And then he did his first business. I think it was with sports tours, traveling, tailgating rooms and whatnot. Um, taught him how to build a business, uh, build a website in the mid 90s. He also taught himself how to build a website in the mid 90s by himself um, and then started a couple different uh, digital marketing marketing agencies. Um, after about 15 years of uh, agency and doing and uh, doing those things, um, wanted to something new. So came across a uh, or, or came into a, a new business as a partner uh, with a SaaS company, eventually took over and acquired that business in 2019 and uh, continues to do that. Or I think he stayed on for a year after acquisition and then had an idea for the current business, which is what he is focuses now. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Aaron. Perfect summary of, you know, what I've been uh, toiling away at for the last 30 plus years, Devin. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. So um, I just uh, or, or did a, a quick intro or a quick summary to a much longer journey. Um, so why don't we uh, rewind a bit and unpack a bit more? So tell us how your uh, journey got started. Not really liking school, but at least going to college, I think you said for a couple of years. So tell us how yeah. that things got started. I, I was that classic student. Like, let, let's just look at high school. All of my parent teacher conferences went like this. The teacher would say, Aaron's a bright kid. He just doesn't apply himself, right? And um, what took me a really long time to learn and understand is the normal learning environment of here's a task, here's an assignment, go do it and come back with us. Show us you can memorize this and we'll give you a test on it. Just absolutely wasn't my learning style. Uh, I found out over the years I'm more hands-on, let me tear it apart, let me rebuild it, let me be curious and figure out how it works. That's mm. what inspires me, motivates me, all those things. So it wasn't much different, you know, when I went to, to college where first year things were fine, but that second year of school, I was just more intrigued by life and the real world. And again, just going and plopping down in a class and, and things like that didn't resonate with me. And I remember, um, 
coming home uh, that after that second year and letting my parents know I I wasn't going to go back to college for my my third year. And my dad was like, all right, well, you got 30 days to find yourself a job and move out and let us know if we can help you with that. Mm. And uh, <laughs> that that led uh, to uh, uh, seeking out my first job, which um, was more of, I guess, a corporate job, a, a large company working in telemarketing. I, I started off on the phones doing telemarketing and selling products. Um, this is mid 90s, the heyday probably of telemarketing. Um, mm. And then after six months, worked myself in a into a management position and then was managing a team of 20, 25 telemarketers uh, within a daily shift. And that was a really great I look at that as a super valuable education. I learned about hiring for that team and firing, getting getting along with other managers, understanding corporate goals. And then even the the technology um, started to become a little bit fascinating to me how there were 300 people on this call floor and a computer was dialing all the conversations and logging all the actions and sales and producing stats on how your team was doing and allowing you to listen in on their phone calls. And so that mm. two plus years was uh, definitely way more beneficial to me than the two years I spent uh, studying it at, at college. No, that, uh, that definitely makes sense. So, so now you say, okay, college is not for me. Went for a couple of years, tried it out, didn't work out. So kind of after you decided that's not for, or not for you, kind of how did you figure out what was the next step or what you were going to do? Yeah, I uh, after that job, I kind of bounced around working hospitality jobs, bartending, serving. Um, great, great way to make money when you're in your young 20s um, and have your days to yourself to uh, go biking and playing basketball and, and hanging out uh, and then being around a, a lot of energy and, and good things at night in, in those environments and just learning a ton about customer service. So I found it to be uh, super valuable. And I ended up meeting a guy uh, while bartending that ran a, a sports tour business. Um, mm. And he was, you know, putting together all kinds of uh, trips where travel tickets to the event um, and other extras were included in it uh, and worked for him for like a year. And then my entrepreneurial bug and spirit, I, I grew up in a home where both my parents were entrepreneurs. They both owned small businesses um, and I was starting to mature a little bit and that kind of started to take hold. And I just started seeing ways, oh, I, I think I could do this uh, better. I have some other ideas. I want a little bit of control with this. And that really led me to starting my my first business. Um, I remember pitching my dad on the idea and he said, all right, you've done your homework. I put together a business plan and he said, "I'll if you go to a bank and can get a loan uh, to get you a little bit of seed money to start out, I'll co-sign on it. Um, mm. So was lucky that he believed in me enough uh, to do that. And that started me on my first business, which was a, a sports tour business. Definitely makes sense. So, so now you say, okay, that, you know, start out in the store or sports tour business, or that's where you kind of headed. Now, was that just uh give us an insight? Was that booking tours? So if I want to go see a Super Bowl game or was it local or kind of how did, cause you know, that's a big industry or a lot of things you could do. So kind of what was the genesis or how did you go about uh, kind of starting a business in that area? Yeah. So it was more localized. Um, I was basically like, uh, 
getting together like uh, 80, 100, 150 Minnesota Vikings fans, taking them on coach buses down to Chicago to see them play at the Chicago Bears tailgate party before the game, couple nights hotel, beverages and snacks on the bus. So just making it easy for them to, we just pay one price and everything is taken care of for us from transportation, lodging, and and tickets to the game. Another one would be like uh, taking a group to a NASCAR event in Las Vegas. Again, flights, hotel, and transportation to the race, tickets to the races. Um, so packaging all that up together and making it uh, simple for uh, groups of friends, business groups, things like that to get together and uh, spend some time at a sporting event that they love with a lot of the details already taken care of for them. Well, that sounds like a, a fun uh, a fun way to approach it. And it sounds like a, a great business. So how long did you do that for or, or, and how did it go? Yeah, I did that for a couple of years and um, I I learned both uh, some great things and some hard lessons. Um, one of the things I'm most grateful for is it absolutely set me on my path to the career I'm in now. So the biggest benefit ended up being that uh, it led me to designing a website for that business. And that's what got me into the technology side of, of marketing uh, and led me to teach myself how to build a, a simple couple of page website um, and use that as part of my marketing um, and really digging into that. And then uh, that led to me building more websites for other people. If we get again into connections, my dad's business was a small market radio station where I grew up. So he asked me to build a web page for the radio station and help him get it streaming online and then his clients were small businesses and they were like, well, maybe we need a web page on the internet. And so building a site for them. So that led me to starting my first kind of, you know, one man business, building websites uh, for small businesses. Mm, no, it definitely makes sense. So you'd say, okay, going to start building websites, a great thing, especially in the nineties when it was, you know, nowadays there's a lot more competition. There's also a lot more tools and things available, but you kind of start down that route. Now, you know, as you're learning how to build our websites, doing that as, you know, as part of the business and whatnot, how long did you do it for kind of, how did it go and kind of where did it take you? Yeah. So I did that for probably close to three years, uh, built up a decent client base, um, but as with anything, the, the more you get into it, the more you learn about it, technology was evolving. And I was just kind of in the spot from a few different areas where I'm like, I, one, I don't want to do this solo. I'm right on the edge of like doing this solo, bringing someone on. Also getting into technical things on fun to build websites, but updating them, doing the small updates, um, even the hassle of like charging for just a half an hour to do a small update of content or text on a site or changing hours. Um, those weren't the things that it excited me. And mm. in starting to do some research, I, again, got really lucky, found a group of guys um, that had really focused on the technology side that were only like 15, 20 miles from my house. And they had built some, what I had saw as like the first kind of server side content management system that would allow the business to log into the back end of their own website and make simple changes themselves, create new pages, add new photos, edit content. So I just basically cold called them out of the blue and was like, hey, I have a bunch of clients. 
Um, I love what I, I see that you guys are doing. You know, if I brought my clients into you, could I come work for you? Focus more on the sales and the creativity side. You guys focus more on the back end, um, be able to allow them to e manage their websites easier. And yeah, that led to that happening and went to work from them. And then we brought on hundreds of clients onto the, that platform as it evolved and the different things could, could be done and mm. kind of stair-stepped and went through a few different iterations with them on, we also sold resellers. So other agencies would use our technology on the back end to build websites. They would focus on the creative and the, the front end. Um, and in one way or another, just kind of worked with them for the next handful of years, um, building out hundreds of websites on this content management system. Mm, no, that that definitely makes sense. And so now was that, and maybe to help me keep the, the things clear, because <laughs> at some point it's a great journey and I make want to make sure I get it right. At some point, you, you know, you started working after doing the agencies. Yeah. You came on to another a SaaS based business as a partner and eventually I think took over a CEO and acquired it. Was that kind of part of this or was that separate or after you kind of said, Hey, I don't want to do website building or I want to get out of agencies or kind of how did that interplay? Yeah. So there's one more agency step in there before we get to this. Right. I always, um, you know, the, if you think of a ladder or a stairs approach to things, every time I was kind of taking a step up in a little bigger business, a little bit more intricate, um, more revenue, more employees, all that kind of stuff. So after that agency, my uh, next agency, um, you know, of, of all things, uh, uh, a 2000s professional love story. I met the founder of another agency over Twitter and we started interacting, networking, became friends. And he had a couple person agency and he just really recruited me hard and was like, I think we're going to grow more um, and everything else. And would love to have you come on as a partner and your experience, especially on the website. And they were doing a lot more on the social media and search marketing side. So I came on board with that. Um, and over the next five years of that, we grew up from a five employee to roughly a 50 employee, um, multiple millions in revenue. And really even client size right from small business, to medium sized business to started working with um, Fortune 100 customers. I, I live in Minnesota in the Twin Cities area. So we have a lot of great corporate here from United Health Group, Best Buy, Target, um, Pentair, 3M, General Mills. Uh, so able to complete a lot of tech projects in websites, um, uh, apps, uh, search and social campaigns across that. Mm. And while both of these last two agencies were going on too, I really got into speaking at conferences and kind of built out a network within that scene of being around other agency experts, SEO experts, things like that. Um, and really kind of some things merged towards the end of that uh, last agency and just kind of, you know, feeling the burn of working that hard to grow an agency that big, that fast. Um, you know, when you hire that much over the years, and then you get to the point where you're the hot agency in town and everyone's trying to poach your employees. You know, I, I was doing far less on the creative and the things I loved and a lot more just within the trenches of hiring, recruiting, retention, um, helping your manager solve their problems. So I was kind of looking for a change and some of the great network I had built uh, had just launched a, a new SaaS product around reviews and customer feedback. 
Um, and it led to us having talks and they're like, well, you understand a sales side, you understand agencies, who's one of the markets that we're selling to, because we have a white label version of our product. Mm. And those conversations and the time for a change led to me coming on board there. Um, and guess what? Restarting a growth pattern again and everything else. So um, grew that SaaS agency uh, to multiple millions in revenue. We made an appearance on the Inc. 5000. Um, after a couple of years, I transitioned from leading sales and marketing to becoming the CEO of the company um, and ultimately led that growth to uh, that business called GatherUp being acquired uh, at the end of uh, 2019. And from there, that freed me up to start all over again and pursue my next idea. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So now now that you did have that time to get freed up and you were saying, okay, had a good run, did the SaaS or you know, the SaaS business, and then I'm getting inquired. And now we get a the ability and you know, hopefully, you know, it's always one of those, or at least for me, it's always kind of scary that hey, that that chapter's over. Now what do I do? So how did you kind of figure out what the next steps would be as, as you're exiting the the last venture and and kind of figuring out what 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 to do next? Yeah, I, I'm probably one of those where I don't, I don't suffer from ideas on what to do next. Um, probably more so honing in and focusing on on the right idea uh, to do next. Um, and again, I got lucky here. And you know, the the cool thing when you're around so many other businesses, right? In in agencies, you're working with dozens, of hundreds of businesses. I built hundreds of websites. So I had all this background of all kinds of businesses, right? Home service businesses, professional services, public universities, large corporations. You you just get to see all these interactions and you're constantly talking to them about their problems and how they're trying to solve them. And you're seeing how they position their business and how they message and market and their customer relationships. So you just get all this great background. And then at Gather Up, we had 25,000 businesses that we they used us to reach out to their customers and ask for feedback and get ratings and get reviews. So mm. I had this great cheat code of being able to see millions of reviews and understand what customers thought about great experience with the business and poor, expor poor experiences with the business. Mm. So my current venture is kind of a combination of all those things. Um, and Leadferno, which is my current adventure, is about using text messaging and messaging platforms like Facebook Messenger and Google's business messages to communicate with prospects, sales prospects, and your customers. So mm -hmm. it took the combination of my web development where it was like, oh, what if we had an easy deploy call to action that made those first questions as easy as possible, easier than a contact form, easier than a phone call and a call tree or leaving a voicemail, trading voicemails, all things that we hate nowadays and just allow you to ask questions via text message right from their website. Mm. And then I saw the importance of being easy to work with through all these reviews, um, just how much communication was involved in good reviews and bad reviews. Um, and then, you know, kind of combining those is, is what led to the idea with Leadferno. And, um, you know, I'd had iterative conversations with these things on uh, my co-founder, Joel Headley with this, because we met doing conferences together. He worked about a decade at Google. And so we'd be speaking at the same search conference or digital marketing conference. And we just kind of batted this idea, honed it, and 
it kind of lied dormant for a while. And then, yeah, when my time freed up, I was like, all right, I want to do this. Do you want to do it with me? We've talked about it over dinners and backstage at things. And that, that led to the starting the execution of it in 2020. Well, that's awesome. So, so now you, you say so you have the idea, get it going 2020, you know, it sounds like it's been what, a couple of years or so. How's it yep. gone? Is it built up, gone great, been a smashing success, been a, uh, a dive bomb to the bottom and it, it never <laughs> went anywhere somewhere in between it kind of how's it or bring us up to where it's at today. Yeah. So I would say closer to all great things, um, than, uh, than, than the dive bomb part. Um, you know, the, the, the hard part, and this is even, you know, just building a product and especially one where, um, you know, text messaging for businesses isn't a new concept. It's definitely, you know, two-way text messaging back and forth as a communication channel is a little bit more newer. You know, um, we don't do text blasts like, hey, here's our sale this week, or um, here's why to pay attention to us, or here's something you should know or remember. Um, ours is focused on allowing customers to interact with you, you to interact with, with customers. So one, there was kind of a lot of tech to be built because we all have an expectation because we use text messaging on our phones. It's been, these apps have been built by Apple and by Google on our devices. So it's not where you can do it like, oh, just do it really rudimentary and people will be okay with it. It's like, no, there's already an expectation of that you can text, you can send photos, emojis, links, like all these different things. Um, so the build out of Leadferno definitely took about twice as long as like what I had hoped for or what I had initially scoped out. So the starting went slower than possible, but once we got it out there, got some feedback on kind of the initial beta version, made some of those adjustments, the last like eight, 10 months of this have just been awesome and hitting, you know, double digit growth, uh, month over month and, and really have a, a good time growing the product, hearing what our customers are doing with it and evolving from there. That's awesome. No, it sounds like it's been a, a great journey and uh, plenty yet to come. So well, kind of with that now, as we've caught up to the the present day of the journey, always a great time to transition to the, the two questions I always ask at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. Yeah. So the first question I always ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? Yeah. So all the way back to business number one that I started, um, there, there's probably a, a a couple of different things here that that were bad decisions or bit me in the butt. Um, one was I went into that business and I didn't even, you know, I was still young. I didn't fully realize what I was great at. I would, but I gravitated towards what was natural to me. And that was like marketing and sales. I really liked that side. The part that I didn't understand was more of the operations side and really understanding um, like inventory, right? So when you're selling sports tours, you have, you're kind of hedging your bet on how much you sell and how many tickets or hotel rooms you've already secured. So there's kind of a couple different routes to go, right? You either sell and then say, all right, I'm going to come back and secure, you know, as much as I can to, to get to that. There might be some fluctuation in what I'm paying. Um, you can go the other route and go, all right, I'm going to buy 50 tickets and two buses and 40 hotel rooms. And I need to sell that by a certain time or I'm going to have to release, you know, hotel rooms and whatever else. But most of all the tickets you can't release, you can try to resell them. 
But there's just a lot of the supply demand that I totally didn't understand. And Mm -hmm. things still went okay for me and how I was kind of doing it and like sell a little, secure a little, sell a little, secure a little. Um, One of my uh, Vikings games where they were playing in Chicago, the Bears, I mean, the Bears have stunk for a long time and the Bears were crappy and ticket prices were low. Um, But then Walter Payton, their star Hall of Fame running back passed away and they announced like, that Walter Payton, they were going to hold a big memorial for him and tribute to him at the Vikings game. And I still had a boatload of tickets I hadn't secured yet just because, hey, it was never hard to get tickets to Soldier Field. It was a big stadium and the Bears sucked and it wasn't hard to buy them on the secondary market. Well, those ticket prices went through the roof um, because all of the locals wanted to be at the game and tribute to Walter Payton, to Sweetness. And yeah, I lost my butt on that. Like all of the... Mm. uh, profit I'd made for the year was now gone. Um, and that was just one of those, you know, scary learning things where I was like, okay, like I, I went from thousands of dollars in profit to the year to like in the whole can't pay myself this month. I, I can still make the trip happen for people, but I had to scramble mm. and make a lot of calls and, and everything else. And that was kind of my like, oh, this is a lot, you know, building websites sure is a lot easier. I don't have any inventory or anything I have to move or vulnerability to the market of, you know, these other things happening. And that, that was a hard lesson to, to learn. And it also showed me like, all right, you're great at one aspect. You're great at sales and marketing, but you didn't have the acumen, the experience and the knowledge in this other area. And that really would have benefited me and saved me tens of thousands of dollars to not learn that lesson the hard way. (laughs) Well, sometimes the only lesson or the best lessons you learn are all the all, also the hardest ones, and sounds like that was uh, definitely the case in this one. But uh, definitely a, a great one to learn from, and I'm sure um, informed er, informed decisions in the future. So, awesome. Second question I always ask is now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Oh, I don't know if I could give them just one piece of advice. There's there's so much, but if if I had to focus uh, high level, one of the best things I've learned as both a you know startup founder when it's just you by yourself, or once you start growing teams and you're managing people, the power of being intentional with your decision making as a leader, whether you're the leader of one or the leader of 100, is incredibly important. Mm. When you make intentional decisions, even if you're just holding that intentionality to yourself, you're doing the right amount of due diligence and homework. Um, you're exploring the why you're making that decision. You're weighing out, if I have these multiple options, what are the pros and cons of each of these options? Uh, and then when you you know go and make that decision or you're helping your team understand why that decision was made or helping your customers understand why that decision was made, they're able to see that intentionality behind it because the, the way you're able to express it. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's something I've learned just has a lot of power and even carried in, like I mentioned into, you know, when you have thousands of customers and you're building a software product, um, when you're doing a webinar or doing a product release and you're able to say, here's why we chose to build this feature. Here's why it's important to what we're doing. Here's the considerations that, that we made with it. And here's how we see you using it. Your customers really identify with that intentionality and they learn from it um, and it causes them to question less and you to get 
product and feature requests from all over the board on what they'd like it to do because they really start to see like, oh, these guys have a map. I identify with where they're going. I I believe in it because the way they're communicating it. Um, so if you can find that intentionality in your decision making and how you communicate it and put it out there, there's just so many internal wins to your company and external wins um, to your customer base uh, that you can reap the benefits of. No, definitely makes makes perfect sense. I think that's a great uh, great takeaway. So awesome. Well, with that. Um... Now, as we're kind of wrapping towards the end of the podcast, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, <laughs> any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Absolutely. So leadferno.com is the website. Uh, best thing for anyone that's interested in using uh, texting and messaging to have more conversations and close more leads faster, go to our blog. I've always been a big believer in teaching is the best sales tool there is. So we have dozens of posts that will introduce you to text messaging for business. Um, we have done surveys to help understand how uh, consumers and people view text messaging compared to phone calls and email. What are consumer expectations of response times? Um, how are features work and use cases for your business? So if you go start digesting our blog content and we put something new up almost weekly, you're going to get a really great feel and start to understand how this can help your business uh, and how it can put you in, in the right position to really uh, own communication and customer experience. Um, so, and after the website, I'm very active on Twitter. So at Aaron Wykey on Twitter, um, I tweet plenty about Leadferno, about SaaS things. I do a SaaS podcast as well. So any of that information you'd be able to get uh, by stalking me or interacting with me on Twitter. Awesome. Well, definitely a uh, great, great way to connect up there and definitely encourage people to reach out and make a, a great connection. If nothing else, a new best friend. So with that, um, as we uh, wrap up the episode, um, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be guests on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show, and uh, and we'd uh, love to chat with you. If you um, and uh, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your startup, your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Devin.